Hi, it's Joey. And Dutta. Please leave a message after the beep. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Let's try again. Hi, it's Joey. And Dutta. And we are the co-founders at Leho. Leho is a social impact brand where every purchase supports a social cause. Our It's Call to Care series consists of all things kind, caring, and cool. We focus on topics of sustainability, running a business, helping people in need, and just general topics that people can relate to, really. So subscribe, save, share, and stay kind. Hi guys, welcome to another of our It's Cool to Care series. We're super excited to have two guests with us today. The first is Kate from The People Project, um, which is a platform that um, gives a voice to people experiencing homelessness by sharing their stories. And we also have Hugo, the founder of Carden Banfield Foundation, which is a charity that's responding to homelessness by helping prevent um, people from becoming homeless in the first place, as well as giving support to those already experiencing homelessness and helping them prevent from reaching a further stage of crisis. So thank you both of you guys for joining us today. We're super excited to have you. So let's kick off and uh, start with Kate. So Kate, can you tell us a little bit about how and why you started the People Project and the inspiration behind it? Yeah, so um, I'm 21 now and I started the People Project when I was 17, just as a naive 17 year old you know you think about school you don't really think about the world outside of you and it basically just started one day when me and a friend were walking around Shoreditch taking pictures of graffiti just you know hanging out and he suggested oh like we saw a homeless person and we he said like oh why don't we go up and speak to him and ask him for his picture I think my initial reaction was just like no why would we do that like you don't speak to homeless people like Mm. not even meaning ill from that but just that's such a an instant assumption in your head like that's just not something you do and I think he was like oh come on let's do it and I was like okay like it you know and we did it and we spoke to him and we got the photo um and sat down and spoke to him and I think another few people came up to us and it was just a really interesting conversation because I like I said had never spoken to someone homeless and I think it just really made me think huh because I think especially at 17 you already don't relate to adults you know and it just shows I think being able to just sit down and speak to anyone, you can connect on some sort of level. You know, me now even, I am not able to speak. You know, you wouldn't think that like someone, young woman would be able to relate to like an old man, typical Mm. kind of homeless person that I would meet. But, you know, there is a connection you can make there. And I think just realizing that made me think, huh, I I like want to share this experience and share with people like what can actually happen if you do just start a conversation and realize how much that means to people. Because like I said, I just thought, oh, why would you do that? But, you know, when we spoke to him and when I speak to people now, they just say how much they really appreciate people just stopping and talking to them. So I think that's what started the project was just one, helping to spread stories and two, just trying to inspire people to actually stop and speak to someone if they see them, just say hello, wave, because that just makes you feel more human and more like connected to people. And yeah, that's basically the message behind the project is just like, you can speak to anyone, even if you may not think you have a connection to them, you know, you you can do, and it means a lot to stop and speak to someone basically, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really incredible. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you go about collecting the stories from the people that you share on your platform as well? Yeah, so basically what I usually do is just go around with a camera. Um, just basically when I see someone, I just go like, oh, hey, like I run this project. It's completely nonprofit. 
are you interested in sharing your story? And obviously there are a few responses you get and some people are very happy and you know want to tell their story and there are some people who are more reluctant. And obviously like I don't push because I don't want the platform to be about the stories being there, but more about, you know, if you are someone homeless and you feel like you have something to tell that people aren't listening to you, like you want your story out there as much as I want to tell the story. I don't want that to be like a one-sided thing. So I always make sure that people understand where the story's going what it can be used for and if I'm ever featured in articles or anything I make sure to say okay don't use whatever story you want like I can tell you which stories people were very happy to be shared anywhere or which stories people said okay but don't share it anywhere else you know and I make sure there's that level of trust there because I think that's the problem with being homeless when you're interviewed a lot of the time is that you have no like backing to defend yourself if that story is used against you and I think that's what I find with a lot of people is they get defensive about telling their story because they've spoken to organizations or newspapers which have then like used their story to tell something that they didn't want to tell um so yeah it's basically just a kind of mutual respect thing of just going up to someone and saying like hey I'm doing this are you interested in telling your story um, and you can see from the project, if you look through our Instagram, that um, a few people hide their faces. And that's purely a, a case of I want to tell my story, but I want to hide my identity because, you know, a lot of people are um, fleeing from domestic violence or family don't know they're homeless, but they still have a story to tell. And they still want people to hear what they have to say, but they don't want their face attached to that. So, um, yeah, like I think the platform is just there for anyone who wants to tell something and needs a platform for it to be heard on, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because actually when we started the Don't Be Too Quick to Judge campaign for Leho, like I hadn't thought about like who we wanted to contact or how we were going to go about it, but your platform does exactly that. You know, I've been so interested in trying to raise more awareness for the stigmas and stereotypes around homelessness because I feel like not a lot of charities do that and it's not done. Just It's just, you know, there's <laughs> people focus on the more individual behaviours like sleeping outdoors rather than the structural causes. And actually homelessness comes from, you know, a number of complex and intersecting kind of structural factors, such as job loss. Um, like you said, you know, domestic abuse, people being evicted from their homes, lack of affordable housing and all of that. So all of the negative perceptions and attitudes that they face in the street every day must be really, really tough. And I feel like your platform kind of gives them that voice and does that really well. So I guess next, Hugo, I know you had some experience with homelessness at one point in your life. So it'd be good to kind of talk us through that and also just chat help us challenge the stereotypes and stigmas around it really yeah hi thanks so much for having me on uh so yeah at uh 18 i had moved out of home and i was um sorry at 17 i moved out of home and i was in a relationship and uh that relationship uh broke down and um i decided to leave uh, it was slightly abusive it was slightly manipulative um from their end to me so I decided to up and leave. And unfortunately, because I was 18, um, I wasn't deemed priority need by the council, which meant that they, um, I rung them up and said, this is what's happening. And uh, I said, I got picked up by a charity and uh, they helped me. They, helped, they eventually did house me after three months. But there was one night where I couldn't uh, have anywhere else to stay. And I rung up the council and I said, please, uh, can you give me some advice? Uh, I need somewhere to stay. Um, the night stop accommodation, the volunteering program, uh, there was no host to house me. None of my friends could put me up. The charity couldn't help that one particular night. I rang up the council and I said, um, please, can I have somewhere to stay? And they said, you're single, you're male, you're 18, can fend for yourself, go sleep under a bridge. 
and I've never forgotten that. And at the time, I was really angry. Um, I was like, why can't you help me? Are you going to give me the blankets and the duvets to be able to sleep safely? Uh, and then I, I, I did sleep um, in a bank lobby that night and um, undercover with a CCTV camera looking directly at me. But it was the scariest night of my life. And I get a lot of comment about my experience and, oh, you only had one night on the street. You know, you don't know much about homelessness. But that one night was the scariest night of my life. And I was so scared about what could have happened to me. Um, I could have been, I could have had my stuff robbed. I could have been stabbed. I could have been murdered. I could have been raped. I could have uh, had like been urinated on. Uh, I could have been beaten up. I could have been dragged out onto the street. All manner of things could have happened to me. And all of that was just running around my head. Um, so about challenging the stereotypes, it's really important that we challenge them and you know Kate's um Kate's project's amazing because it kind of it talks about the bread and butter issues of of you know how people fell onto the streets and it, it it you know I think as society we we have this perception that people on the streets are like a different group of people they've kind of fallen down from earth and just like landed on our streets and we've kind of walked past them and we're like someone someone on the street um and we don't necessarily recognize that you know they had a home not that long ago or you know a few years ago or whatever but you know anyone can anyone can become homeless um obviously people with money it's less likely they'll end up on the streets but the stigma around homelessness is everyone just seems to think that it's rough sleeping and rough sleeping people on the streets it's the most prevalent form of homelessness, but actually the least, sorry, the most visible form of ho homelessness, but the least prevalent. So people who are sofa surfing um, in hospitals and jails, uh, it, you know, on their friend's spare couch, they are the majority of people who are homeless. And so it's just about getting that message out and saying that, you know, we probably walk past in the street not, during COVID times, but out of COVID times, we probably walk past, you know, four or five people who are homeless in the street a day. And we don't even realize it because, you know, they're wearing normal clothes. I, I not these exact, not this t-shirt, but I was wearing normal clothes when I was homeless and no one, no one would have thought about me. You know, I, I wasn't that scruffy man with a beard and a dog and a can of, you know, special brew. Um, I wasn't that, guy I was me um but I just so happened to not have a home and um there is a story so I, I come from the Carden Banfield Foundation and Carden Banfield was a 74 year old man who was found uh, partially mummified in a tent in Worcester in 2016 and uh he tragically was left um alone and was found by a member of the public and then uh, no one investigated it. And so I went on a five-year mission to, to get an, sorry, four-year mission to get an investigation. And that happened. And during that, we, um, it was about challenging the stereotypes around that as well, which was, you know, an old man um, wasn't investigated. Whereas had it been 
a young female uh, teenager who was found in a tent. It would have almost been certain to be investigated. Uh, police would have been there. Invest, you know, like all the attention would have been on that. And so there's a stereotype around, you know, just because they're old and a man, uh, you know, should they be treated any less differently or any differently to to um to other people? So, um, yeah, the Cardin Bamfield Foundation and I know the People Project, which we are uh, partnering up, partner partnering up with. Partner. Um, yeah, <laughs> long day. Um, yeah. we yeah we're going to be challenging those stereotypes along with Leho and their um. Well, yeah, and it's actually, it's so interesting. You made a point about, you know, you having that kind of fear and not knowing what was going to happen to you. And actually, when we speak to a lot of people experiencing homelessness on the street, that's their fear every day. And like they always say, it's a constant battle in the streets where shoes get lost. And Kate, I'm sure you know this. I feel like, you know, we've seen this in your stories where a lot of them just, you know, they, they get into fights on the street. It's just a very dangerous because it's almost like a battle of like survival. You know, you're fighting for your life every day on the street and it's pretty, pretty tough. So, yeah, I guess it's, you know, super scary. And Kate, do you have anything to kind of share on that? Yeah. And I think what you were saying, Hugo, about, you know, I didn't cover it when I first spoke, but how people become homeless. I think it's so interesting because you never see yourself as someone who is homed. You never see yourself as becoming homeless. But, you know, there's so many reasons people become homeless. You know, it's not as I first thought at 17, just like, oh, you know, you lost your job or you got addicted to alcohol or drugs, you know, it's not. If anything, if people are on drugs or alcohol when they're homeless, a lot of the time it's a way of surviving as on the streets, like mentally, just because like we say, it's a constant battle of just, I don't know if I'm going to survive tonight and never having that safe space to go back to. It's like so hard and, you know, escaping that is like, escapism you know um but yeah different ways of becoming homeless is mental and I think even now doing a project for four years like I still come across new stories almost every week of just wow I've never thought of it like that or you know like we're talking about domestic violence you know if there's been cuts to um domestic violence shelters that affects people on a level where if you need to get out of domestic violence if you don't have family you can turn to you become homeless you know and understanding that somebody feels safer being on the street than in a situation like that is terrible and there just isn't the support there you know for people that need to go somewhere else and like you were saying Hugo I think there's just councils are unable to help so much of the time just because budget's so spread thin or you know if you're not priority on the list you know that's why you don't see a lot of homeless women because women are usually a priority but then it's like what about a young boy like yourself who is barely a teenage not a teenager sorry merely an adult at that point you know you're not fit no one is fit you know to be sleeping on the streets especially that young and that vulnerable but you know they're just I think people want to help but there isn't like help there. And I think that's what I think my project tries to say is that, you know, you may not have money to help, you know, at 17, I didn't have money to be able to help people, but my way of helping was to try and share stories and try and speak to people. And I think a lot of people I speak to now, I try and ask the question of how can people help? And more than anything else, people just say like, just saying hello, smiling, you know, and now whenever I walk home, um, you know, if I don't have time to actually speak to someone, it takes no longer for me to just go like, have a good evening as I walk past someone, you know, and 
I think it's an awkward thing to say because you think someone will be angry that you haven't been able to help them, but just being noticed instead of the awkward avoiding eye contact just is so nice. And I think you will see that if that's like one thing I would tell people to take away from this is just say like good evening or good day to someone like, oh, I'm really sorry, I don't have any money, but like have a good evening. That's literally what I say. And the guy I see every day at the day after work, he like really appreciates it. I buy him a coffee if I can, but you know, just saying hello and saying good night, like I think really just makes someone feel noticed and feel like there are people out there looking out for them. Um, and yeah, I just think it's like everyone can help. It doesn't have to be like a you donating money, you donating your time, you know, just noticing people, I think really just helps, you know, make people feel more human. And that can help if you're feeling so isolated from society that you can't, you know, like you said, Hugo, that was one night where you were kind of out asking the council for help and you felt so demoralized by that because they couldn't help you but imagine someone who's been in that situation for years you know who've been help like begging for help from charities you know governments and then they kind of give up almost a lot of the time people do you know and then you have people walking past you saying oh get a job you know and you feel like you've been trying for so long but then just having someone walk past and say like hey I'm really sorry mate like have a good evening you know that can just be like okay like I am in society like I'm not like this outsider that people look down on or people avoid you know I am a part of society and people do want me to get better. And I think just that step can really help people because it's so hard when you feel so isolated all the time. And I think that's something that people don't realize is so hard about homelessness. And I think especially at the moment with coronavirus, people are more than ever avoiding other people, you know, and avoiding eye contact, avoiding being close to people and just, you know, not out as much as they would be. And then homeless people are just kind of left, you know, to their own devices. A lot of charities have been closing as well, just, due to volunteers being vulnerable and you know isolating themselves as well and it's just I think there's just is you know we can all do something and it doesn't have to cost us anything that's why I just add to that basically yeah yeah and sorry when I was on the street it was really weird out of body experience but when I was lying there on my cash point lobby um I I lost my I lost my humanity and it was a really strange feeling. And I still can't quite put it into words now. Um, I wrote a blog post about it, actually. But it was like not feeling human. I felt I, I had bones and skin and that was it. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like part of society. I didn't, you know, people would walk in in the middle of the night. I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday. So it wasn't really busy. And people would walk in in the middle of the night and I was just lay there kind of in the corner. I'd either completely blank me or someone would go, oh, what, what are you doing there? No one said hello. No one said, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And it was just, it did not feel like I was part of the human race or society or anything like that. It was such a weird out of body kind of, yeah, it, it was a really weird feeling. But yeah, Kate's right, you know, actually just validating someone's humanity. Um, by saying hello and giving them eye contact and if you're going to speak to them um, one more thing I would say is um, you know if if you have time and you can speak to them is kneel down to their level and so you don't have a power structure of I'm standing over you I'm better than you kind of perception kneel down to their level look them in the eye and give them some proper human um, kind of human contact because also you know, we go into a cafe, we order a coffee, you know, we want the person on the other side of the till to be like, oh, hello, how are you? 
would you what would you like would you like this would you like that and also given a choice um so yeah as society we should do that to people who are homeless as well we should give them a choice and we should give them the same level of humanity that we expect from other people when it when we carry out our day-to-day lives yeah that is such a good point and actually you know it can get pretty lonely and I can't even like begin to imagine how hard it must be to noticeably see people walk past you with their heads down like avoiding eye contact you know as soon as you make the first like two seconds and then they just look away then it's just like you can see that you know so it's just a very pleasant thing and I yeah I can't imagine how hard it must be and yeah saying hello would be you know even Kate and Thuta when we went to see the we did our first um the winter campaign I think it was the first guy we ever donated a meal to he spent about 15 or 20 minutes talking to us about one book he had read and mm-hmm. you could tell that he hadn't spoken to someone in so long but we were happy to just stand there and let him talk and talk and feel almost feel like he's being heard you know so I think mm-hmm. that's so crucial and important because you can get in a scenario where you speak to them for like hours and just like really long conversations but it's because they haven't spoken to someone in so long you know other than sometimes like people on the streets as well but it's just yeah having that I guess human connection you're right is just so important and it's, it's how we all survive you know as humans we need that kind of connection and we need that I guess TLC uh, <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah I think um you know even I mean, this is obviously not something to compare, but like even being on lockdown, you know, a lot of us probably were at home, you know, alone, away from families and stuff. And, you know, we all went through some sort of, you know, mental health and like right now, self-care is so important and people are starting to realize that. But obviously imagine, you know, when you're out on the streets and there are people that are passing by around you, but you don't actually have anyone to speak to. So I think that's like quite a powerful way to like help if you can just spare a few minutes to say hi and just make someone's day I guess like mm-hmm. uh, one experience I had was like with this man who had a bandage in his hand and I basically parked my bike somewhere I went to the post office and um, as I when I came back out he was there right beside my bike and then to be honest I tell myself off every time but at, at first my first thought was like oh is he trying to steal my bike like I felt a bit you know, hesitant. And I, I just felt that natural worry feeling. And, and then I actually went to my bike and he was just standing there. Um, he had like a Tesco bag and I feel he, he had a beard as well. I don't want to like stereotype anything, but you know, he had a bandage and he was just like um, standing, not really speaking to anyone. And he felt like he, he looked like he had a really miserable day. And I took my bike and as I was like unlocking my bike, I felt the need to kind of say something and I said hi like are you okay and he just looked up at me and he wasn't really expecting that at all and he was really shocked that I said hi to him and he was like oh yeah yeah I'm completely fine like thank you young lady or something and then he kind of smiled and laughed and then he was like you're right um like and I was like yeah thank you and he said nice bike (laughs) to me and um you know it was just a very like short conversation but I felt that, you know, he basically felt acknowledged and um, he had a smile on his face um, by the time I was turning around and I just said, you know, have a nice day. And I went off. (laughs) But um, I just felt like, okay, I I was able to put a smile on someone's face. And um, and I hate that, you know, I've even felt a bit worried in the beginning. Uh, And I feel like that's kind of that one stereotype that needs to be tackled um, when you've 
you kind of naturally feel like you know you you have something to worry about if someone that's dressed a bit like you know not nice standing right beside you and um yeah I think it's just important to kind of accept that you know, obviously not everyone's able to dress <laughs> um as nice and like it, it doesn't have to mean that it's you know something harmful or anything like that and I think maybe it comes down to kind of young kids as well as we're raised in society I wanted to touch upon like um, Hugo the Cardin Banfield education system um, that's been in place you know with Ryan um, he's basically teaching kids at school um, how to basically perceive um, homeless individuals right and I just thought that was really interesting um, because even as kids, like children, I think need to kind of learn as well. Um, the fact that, you know, someone experiencing homelessness doesn't have to be the scary, like man, like it, it's just a state of a living situation, you know? And um, I think, yeah, that's just quite important. Hugo, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it comes from my experience of, um, I during the campaign before the foundation, my my little campaign, um, I remember being invited into a school and uh, to give a talk about homelessness. Um, and the member of staff I was talking with knew about my experience, but I said, don't tell anyone else. And she was like, why? And I said, you'll, you'll see, you'll see why. And uh, so I went into this assembly and I talked about homelessness. And then um, about 20 minutes later, I then, I said, I was homeless. And the whole assembly hall, their, their jaws just dropped. And they were really shocked because they were like, what, what really? And um, it wasn't, I, I mean, the kids were shocked. Uh, and after I was saying about anyone can be home, become homeless and, uh, you know, like, like you say, it's a matter of a living situation. It's not premeditated. You know, people aren't born with a um, kind of like a prescription that they're going to be homeless in, in life. Um, sometimes it's a set of circumstances. And But I could see on the sidelines, the teachers were like really visibly shaken up by this, thinking, oh, no, what? This could be us. Um, and so, yeah, what we're doing at the Cardin Banfield Foundation is we're developing a programme of education which goes into schools or charities or kind of anyone who wants it really um, to challenge the stereotypes and just kind of give a bit of education around it. And, um, you know, for example, we could, we could potentially use uh, the stories that Kate puts on the people project, you know, just to give, give a bit of context to kind of homelessness as this structural issue, which you said earlier, Joey, um, about, you know how do we how do we tackle the issue in front of us? And um, part of the reason why our tagline at the foundation is responding to homelessness, not mentioning ending it, is because it's so structural, <clears throat> and there's so many reasons why people become homeless. Um, it's you can't end it, you can't solve homelessness, you can't stop people becoming homeless. But what you can do is you can respond to their situation to stop them falling into crisis. Um, and so the the education message isn't about trying to tell people you can't become homeless. It's if you become homeless, this is what you should do. And the first thing you should do is you should ring up your local council and they are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. 
uh, they have to have someone on call, ring up your local council and give them uh, the situation. And then uh, they will assess it um, against uh, the, the legislation and the legal criteria they have to. Um, it's not it's not them being mean, it's because they have very, very meaty pieces of legislation and kind of processes that they have to go through. And that's the same in any council. Uh, that isn't pointing anyone out in particular. And so, yeah, the best idea is to go to your council and uh, all, the, all the local authority um, website numbers uh, are on on the Carlin Bamford website, carlinbamford.org, and then I am homeless now, and every um, local authority number's on there, because the first point of contact should be your local authority. Um, and then it's just about, uh, you know, kind of educating people. If you fall into this situation, this is what you should do. It doesn't do any harm looking into local hostels, local charities, local food banks in your area, um, you know, you can go away and do that now uh, as you watch this video, after you watch this video. Um, you can just do a bit of research because, you know, there's an estimated um, kind of hundreds of thousands of people who could potentially fall into homelessness after COVID, um, after the lockdown. So all of these people need somewhere to go. And, you know, if they just do a bit of research about the charities, about the local authority, then they will stop kind of doing what happened to me which was one day I was housed and then literally overnight everything fell from under my feet and I was just planted in this situation of crisis where I was not prepared for it and someone the other day asked me did you know about homelessness before you were homeless yourself Hugo and I said no it didn't even I, I didn't even acknowledge a homeless per, a person on the street I didn't even imagine what it was like I knew nothing until suddenly one day um finger click and I was in it and I was like whoa yeah. Um, yeah. what is this yeah. um uh, <laughs> so um it, yeah the education program is not necessarily saying you can't become homeless it's if due to a tragic set of circumstances, you do become homeless, this is what you should do. And, um, you know, there are survival, there are survival stories. You know, I'm a survival story. And I know I had a choice. I had a choice when I was homeless. I had um, a choice of going down a path of drugs, alcohol, you know, kind of the, the cycle of homelessness where I go into a hostel and then I might, you know, I might get involved in some trouble and then be kicked out and go to somewhere else and then get kicked out and, you know, kind of be stuck in that. Or I had a choice of going, you know what, okay, I'm going to get myself out of this and I'm going to use all the help and support that I'm, I'm given and I'm going to, you know, move, move forward with my life. And the easiest thing would have been to go down that route of, you know, drugs, alcohol. I was offered it countless times um or suicide you know I thought about suicide more than I thought about living in the three months that I was homeless and and walking the streets I thought about killing myself a lot more than I did about living and it would have been the easier option purely because I it would have just numbed the pain I wouldn't be feeling it anymore um 
so I can see why people go down it but I'm here saying that you know there's a there's a better option you know I, I went to university um I ran in a general election I now run a charity to respond to homelessness so you know there is a there is a silver lining to someone's situation and that's what the baseline of the education program is about is you know just because you're homeless it doesn't mean that's like a light a death sentence um yeah. it shouldn't be and it isn't yeah and that's yeah. so true it's like temp uh, homelessness is always like a temporary state of kind of living you know a lot of people do end up getting out of it or they kind of get the support even though sometimes it takes years and years I guess it just depends but yeah it is super tough and I think yeah you made a good point there <laughs> um, I was actually going to ask about you know the future of homelessness but it does come from different it doesn't you know we're not going to end homelessness tomorrow it comes from education future generations it comes from educating people now breaking that stigma challenging it it's just you know those are different areas um cool well, I guess we'll end it from here I think maybe we'll hear one or two sentences uh from each of you just talking one about what we can do I know you guys mentioned either um saying hello but just a bit more about how we can help both of your respective organizations but also just one kind of piece of advice for people who are looking to basically help or who want to make a better difference or yeah yeah go on Kate <laughs> I'll start. Um, so just just quickly um, replying to what Hugo was saying, I think that's the thing that people don't realise is homelessness isn't like this group of like, oh yeah, homeless people, you know, homeless people can be anyone, not all homeless people are friends or have the same opinions or have become homeless for the same reasons. And I think what's really interesting about what Hugo said was before he became homeless, you know, he hadn't thought about homelessness in that way. And I think a lot of people I speak to say that as well as like, oh, yeah, I was the person that would, like, look down on homeless people. Why don't you do something? And now I'm homeless, you know. And I don't think, like, there's this idea, I think, that, like, homeless is there, we're here. But it's like we, you know, the, the two switch over, you know, and homelessness isn't like a, a conglomerate group of people, you know. It's a situation you're in, you know. You can't be homeless. You are homeless, you know. And I think it's really interesting to just remember that, that, you know, I think one of the most impactful things I was ever told through the people project is the stupidest thing I've ever been told. But when I was speaking to someone, he was he, at the time had been homeless for about six months. I remember he just said as a passing comment, like, yeah, you know, six months ago, I was sitting in my three bedroom house watching the walking dead. And I thought, fuck, like, sorry to swear, but six months ago, I was sitting in my house watching the walking dead and his path has taken him here. My path's taken me here, you know, and what was the difference between us? You know, I'm young. I could be a student if I actually had gone to university. You know, there are so many situations that could have put me in a vulnerable situation like that. And if I didn't have family to turn to, that's what happens. And, you know, if you don't have family who are able to support you, that's what happens. And I think, you know, remembering that homeless people aren't like people who've always been on the poverty line or always been on the edge. It can be people who had families, big houses, mortgages, you know, and just something happens. And I think my final point to just end this would be um, just understanding that homeless people aren't like a breed of people, you know, it's anyone can be homeless. And I think people say that and people never really take it in, but honestly, anybody can be homeless and anybody is homeless, you know? And I think just again, to reiterate, just stopping and speaking to someone saying hello, just smiling honestly does more than you think. And I think like you were saying, Futa, like is that stigma at first or you have that worry at first and, I don't think we need to feel guilty about that because that's just what we've been told. But the way to break that is, like you said, just saying hello and realising like, OK, this man maybe looked angry, looked upset. But me saying hello, put a smile on his face 
And now I know that, you know, I've improved someone's day and it didn't cost you anything. So that's what I would, you know, say for people to take away is just kind of look around you and see what you can just do to help people. Nice. Yeah. And I'd add on to that. Um, Streetlink is a great um, service. So please go on to Streetlink, uh, type it in Google. So if you see someone on the streets, um, what Streetlink does is connect services with that rough sleeper. So uh, go onto the website or download the app, I think. Um, and then you feed in information about that person and then that gets passed on to the services. It's really important to note that Streetlink isn't actually reporting a person for being homeless. It's not a negative thing. People think, oh no, sh- crap, I'm reporting a homeless person. You're not. You're actually trying to direct services to them and so they get help. So street link is really important. Um, also, you know, as I was saying, uh, how we can help is it doesn't do any harm. If someone says to you, okay, I'm worried about domestic violence or my tenancy or I'm, I'm behind on my rent or something, um, direct them to the people who can help. So citizens advice, their local council, uh, debt charities, um, housing associations, etc. Um, if you need the local authority number, go on to cardenbamfield.org and it's on there. Um, and I think just to echo what everyone else has said, just saying hello, bending down to their level and just giving them that bit of humanity that we all deserve, we all need, and we can all have. It, it, it's nothing. doesn't cost you anything to say hi. doesn't cost you anything to kneel down to someone um, and it validates them as a human. And that's how we can respond to homelessness. Mm, nice. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. This was super insightful. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you.